um, and I don't really like that Bible passage. Um, the reasons that I don't really like the Bible passage, the first reason is silly, and it's that I have this very vivid childhood memory of being in a Sunday school or vacation Bible school or something where we were learning about that passage and the leader had one of these kids come up and like put on all this like fake plastic Roman armor and they were labeled like salvation, truth. And I just remember, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I remember seven year old me being like sitting there and being like, are they really gonna boil this Bible passage down into this you know, play of costume wear? <laughs> and I was so unimpressed. <laughs> and that stuck with me. But, uh, <laughs> but, as I, but as I've grown, I still don't really like this passage, but for different reasons, because of the intrinsically war-like imagery that it's using. Um, it's, it's weird and uncomfortable to me. <laughs> um, but so that's the very same reason that I like and appreciate that poem is that it sort of gets at the entanglement of, <laughs> of religion and violence. Um, so I think in a lot of church scenarios, talking about um, really liberal nonviolence would be controversial. So that's not what I'm going to talk about today because that wouldn't be controversial here. (laughs) Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about violence and I'm really curious to see what kind of thoughts you guys have on it. Um, So we know that religion historically has been really involved in violence. Obviously the Bible itself is replete with violent metaphors and in fact violent acts. so like the first, the first king of Israel, God proclaimed Saul to be king of Israel. He was the first ever king. But then later on, God rejected Saul because Saul failed to kill every living Amalekite thing. Man, woman, child, infant, goat, sheep, cow. He killed all the people, but he didn't kill all the goats and sheep and cows. And God said, that's not good enough. You need to kill all the things. And so you don't get to be king anymore. That's a that's like a very it's it's this this is a story in the Bible and it's it's one of a great many, um, but that's present in the New Testament as well and I think this passage from Ephesians sort of demonstrates that this war like war like analogies have kind of stuck through, um, but even the Eastern religions like Buddhism and Taoism, things that we typically think of as very nonviolent and sort of the opposite of this have a lot of violence in their history. There were a lot of wars between the Buddhist people and the Tamil king like in Sri Lanka and India and um, martial arts is a really integral part of some forms of Buddhism and Taoism. Um, so there's a ton of examples of that in history. That's certainly true. Um, but. I'd like to talk about what's happening today, right now. Um, So one question that can be raised is, is religion doing more violent harm than it is peaceful good? And I don't think so, uh, because I think if I thought religion was doing more violent harm, it would be very difficult for me to continue to identify as a religious person. Um, 
So, but it, the fact that this question is still widely discussed, right? People talk, I've heard a lot of people talk about maybe we should just put aside religion altogether and we would all be better off. Um, the fact that religion is still so entangled in violence uh, is what causes those questions to be raised, right? And I think that's sort of disturbing, right? These things are happening to enough of an extent that people still question whether or not religion is valid in the modern era. So when I think about violence versus nonviolence, uh, it's very conceptually easy for me to side with nonviolence, right? We've got these great examples of people like Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi, and you see the amazing things that they accomplished through nonviolent and peaceful protests, and it's amazing. Um, but I think part of why it's so easy in my mind to immediately side with only nonviolence ever is because I have never been in a situation where I felt like I had to use violence to get myself out of that plight. Um, so sort of the goal of this conversation right now is to get us to confront the reality of violence and talk about ways in which it has been used and is used and um, to realize, I guess, that there's some gray area. Uh, so one historical gray area that I wanna talk about is the rebellion of Nat Turner. So this happened on August 21, so we just recently celebrated the somethingeth anniversary. Um, August 21, 1831, it was wrong in the email, that was my fault, but it's 1831. <laughs> um, Nat Turner, he was a slave and he was a, a black preacher. Um, he led a rebellion of a bunch of him and other slaves and other free black men in Virginia. And they basically just went on a killing spree. And they killed um, any white residents that they came across, they killed everyone in it that they found, man, woman, child. Um, and I, I was gonna say the number, but I just realized I don't remember the number, so I won't make it up. Um, but so they killed, I will, okay, I'll, I will make up a number because I think it's about 50. <laughs> so they killed about, about 50 people uh, when all was said and done. Um, but the reasons for this weren't simply that they were tired of their, because of course their situation was incredibly unjust. They, they felt like they had nowhere else to turn, but it wasn't just that, it was also spiritually inspired. So uh, three years prior to this event, uh, Nat Turner had this vision, this revelation. And what happened was he heard, a, it, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting here directly, he heard a loud noise in the heavens and the spirit instantly appeared to me and said the serpent was loosened and Christ had laid down the yoke he had borne for the sins of men and that I should take it on and fight against the serpent for the time was fast approaching when the first should be last and the last should be first. So of course this, this was intrinsically tied in with his religion and his understanding of Christianity and of Christ. Um, but then he, he didn't act right away, of course. He thought about it for three long, three long years, but um, remained passionate about it that whole time. And then finally, a few months before he did it in 1831, 
there was another, another sign, there was a, a solar eclipse, and he envisioned this as a black man's hand reaching over the sun. Like he saw it as like, this is my sign that, that it's the time to act. So he gathered all these people and enough, enough black men had seen their wives raped and their children sold to other places so that they couldn't be with them and uh, enough friends beaten to death under this unjust system in which they had absolutely no power that they saw this as their only way to uh, make a strong statement or to do anything to better the, the lives of the general slave population. Um, because really the only other option that was there was run, you could escape, right? You could run away, but then that just helps your situation. Um, and that was happening somewhat regularly. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't totally unheard of for a few slaves to escape. Um, but doing something like this would get people's attention. So even still today, the, the figure of Nat Turner is extremely controversial. Uh, even historians disagree as to whether it was good for the cause of the slaves are bad for the cause of the slaves. Some say, no, it just caused the white slave owners to tighten their grip more firmly, and it was sort of reason for them to say, see, we can't let these people free, this is what they'll do. Um, but on the other hand, some historians say, no, this was, this was a turning point. This awakened something in Virginia, which was sort of a borderline state. Um, it awakened something that started a chain of reactions and started to get people to, to change their mind. Um, there's even, there was a book written called Nat Turner, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. And like, I forget what the subheading was, but something like, oh, it was like catalysts for change. He was, so Nat Turner was lumped right in there with those two. Um, so, I don't, there, are no, there are no answers, right? There, there are opinions, and we can try and deduce what we can from historical facts, but uh, can we know whether it was, in fact, a catalyst for good or, uh, you know, more, it, or, or whether it slowed the cause down more? I don't know. Uh, but so that instance makes me think of something that's happening a lot right now, which is the rioting and looting that we've seen in places like Baltimore and Ferguson. Um, and I, I, think, I think it sheds some light on it. There's, the situation isn't the same, but it's a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness against this bigger thing that's crowding in on you that you don't have control over, right? The, when the police force itself is the cause for the bad things that are happening in your community, where can you turn uh, to sort of make your cause heard? Um, so these are gray areas, I think, uh, and I don't think, I don't think there's an easy answer. So I'm going to read you this sort of series of questions, uh, that I, I read this on some article online. Um, that's interesting. I think also helps to show you the gray areas. So it says, when is violence justified? Should the law allow us to carry out acts of violence if it serves the greater good? For example, should a parent be allowed to 
hit their child to discipline them? If someone breaks into my house, can I hit them to protect myself? If I know that a person is going to commit a violent crime, can I beat him with a club to stop him? If someone knows something which will save the lives of millions of people, can I hold a gun to her head and threaten to pull the trigger unless she tells me? Can I give her an electric shock to make her reveal the secret? Could I threaten to shoot her child unless she told me? Could I actually shoot her child if she didn't? So when I read that series of questions, it's like you start off with things that you're more comfortable with and things that are a little bit less controversial, like someone, you know, someone's going to hurt all these other people and I can stop them. Um, but then it progresses and progresses to the point where you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not at all what I was getting into. Um, but it's interesting, I think, um, because I think a lot of people talk about nonviolence as uh, the only way ever. And I don't know that that's wrong, uh, but I also don't know if it's right. And part of that comes from not being in those situations myself. Um, so I want to bring up two interesting things about the Bible passage and about the Nat Turner story, and then I'll finish up. So um, interestingly, in the Bible passage, it's going through all this war imagery. It's, you, you know, breastplate, shield, helmet, sword, all, all these things. Um, but then it's, uh, there's one line in there that says, and, whatever, and put on whatever shoes you need to help you proclaim the gospel of peace. So I think it's so interesting that there's this line about peace, specifically within this imagery of putting on armor. Uh, so that's interesting, and I don't have an answer. I'm going to make you guys talk about it. And <laughs> the second interesting thing is that Nat Turner, when he was leading this rebellion, um, he felt impassioned and inspired to do this and felt in his heart that it was the right thing to do. Um, but when it came down to it, he killed one person, and then he couldn't kill anymore. He tried to kill two other people, but he couldn't. He looked them in the face, and he like, he like hit them or pushed them or something, and he had to get someone else to come do it because he couldn't do it anymore. Um, so what does that mean? I don't know, but I think it's very interesting. Uh, so I've got sort of two questions for you guys to th think about. We'll just talk sort of in our groups at our table um, for a few minutes, maybe like 10-ish minutes. Um, first question is um, sort of, this is a very broad question, but are there situations in which violence can be justified? Um, do you, and you can talk about that in the light of, in light of Nat Turner or in that of riots or whatever you want, but um, think about are there situations in which you can at least sympathize with the people who are committing those violent acts? So that's the first question. The second question is, I would be interested in you guys to sort of pick apart what do you make of that, uh, whatever you need, we'll put on whatever shoes you need to proclaim the gospel of peace. What do you make of that being in this passage? <laughs> 